All right. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Gents Talk Pod. Today, we have a special guest with us, an international celebrity chef, David Rocco. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, guys. Thanks good. for coming in. Yeah, no, I was looking forward to it. Yeah, we're really excited to, to talk to you about all things food and entrepreneurship. Because oh. uh, you opened up a store, a restaurant, rather. Really, a bar. A bar. I told my mom it's just a, a you know, a restaurant. I didn't <laughs> want to tell her I opened up a bar. <laughs> she wouldn't approve? Eh, it means different things, right? Nothing good happens at one at a bar, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you opened up the bar right in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Maybe let's start there. What was the, what was the thinking behind that? Well, I look back and I am like, oh, I probably had shit for brains. It was like COVID, COVID brain. But uh, no, I was walking home. I remember a vividly really crappy day. Everyone was kind of depressed. I, I went to work every day because in my in my production office, everyone was working at home. So I would like leave the home and just get inspired and go to the office. So I'm walking home and I see this place that I walked by maybe a thousand times in the last, you know, five years and it was for a lease and there's an agent, real estate agent about to show it and he's like knocking on the window, he goes, Hey Rocco, come here. Because why don't you open up something here? It'd be so amazing. Yorkville needs it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I went in and I kind of looked around and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, Yorkville needs a little chiquetti, uh an aperitivo bar. So, you know, I, I thought, I'm going to kind of talk to my wife tonight over a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, this, this is a crazy little place. You know that place? And she goes, oh, yeah, I walk by there all the time. I said, well, it's available. I go, why don't we open up a little place? And and so kind of over dinner, we just talked and kind of we both got excited. The next day, we made an appointment to see it. And Monday, I signed like the lease. It came and went so fast. It was, And this was like December 2020, like in the midst of lockdown. Christmas was canceled. People were like, you know, afraid. And, you know, no one knew what was going on. And you heard the restaurants were all closing and this and that, and we decided to open up a place. Yeah, what was going through your mind, though, when you're, like, the, the point of restaurants were closing, yeah. and you're going, I want to open one? I think it was about feeling inspired, getting excited. You know, at that time, we, I just finished a project. We just finished editing on our on our series, uh, Dolce, um, Southeast Asia. And um, so I was about to look at what that what's going to be that next project. And I thought, you know, maybe it's this, but it was more about feeling inspired or wanting to feel inspired and, and jump into a project because I'm the type of guy that I, I need to be busy and I need to be out of the house kind of working on things. And, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to actually um, work with my wife on a, on a project that we always thought, you know, we might one day want to do. And so it, the timing just felt strangely right when everyone was like kind of getting out of the industry we jumped in and it's a bit it's a bit crazy i mean i look back and i'm like well that was like we must have yeah been i don't know <laughs> had covid brain or something like it, it made no sense was that like the first time you worked with your wife no my wife uh my wife and i uh she um is executive producer on my series together we developed our production company our tv shows and uh and then when we had kids she you know took a step back, stayed home, and uh, worked on, you know, the family production, i.e. the kids, and, you know, running the household. And I consult with her all the time, and she's a big part of the business. But, I mean, it was the 
first time in about 12 years that we went back and worked, you know, full on together from inception, you know, kind of concept to, okay, how are we going to execute it? And we, I mean, she was basically, you know, the lead on the project because we, we, we built the place, you know, during COVID. Nice. <laughs> yeah. you, what lessons, I guess, did you learn? Because you said you worked with her before and mm. then she took the break and then you go back into working with your wife. What is some of the takeaways that you might be able to instill in others when it comes to working with their partners? Because oftentimes that's a recipe for success. For, for disaster. disaster. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, I had a lot of experience working with her. I think, um, you know, age has a way of maturing you and, you know, making uh, things, um, giving you clarity. I think when I was younger, uh, in our first couple of seasons of the show, not that we'd argue more. It wasn't about that we had, you know, strong differences. And I think we were still figuring out our skill set as a couple or as individuals and how we can make things work. And I think this time around, I said, okay, she's way smarter than me. She has a better eye. She's more talented. I'll just let her take the run, you know, the lead. And I was more on the, you know, kind of the creative, this is how I want to see it. This is the kind of food I want to, you know, do. And, but like, when it came to the trades, she took the lead on that. When it came to kind of organizing, you know, the 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 actual build out, she did it all. I mean, she's just pretty pretty brilliant. So I think this was almost okay. I've I've read the script before. I'm just going to take a step back and let her take the lead because she's really good at it. She's way better than than I would ever get or I would ever be. Mm. So I think ego kind of softens a bit. I was going to say, yeah. So yeah. it's almost like you're keeping your ego in check. Well, I think you also become smarter as you grow and, and become more mature. And, and like, I don't have to, I don't have to be right. And most of the time I'm not. And she is, she adds so much value. So why am I fighting it? Or mm -hmm. why, you know, it's like, let her do it. Plus I was also running, you know, the business as well, which is the TV production company. So yeah. there was a lot going on during that time. And I want to get into that. How did you manage to continue running all of this peak COVID? Um, well, you know, you, 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 you feel the fear, you ju you jump in and you just do it. And we, we did a series at home based on you know the lockdown we we you know so many people were at home cooking and videoing and this and that and i had uh you know after about six weeks of being home and getting a little antsy my daughter who was videotaping a lot of stuff she said dad why don't you do a show here you don't have to travel i mean pre-covid i was on the road 20 22 weeks of the year wow yeah half so, a year yeah, it was a long time. I mean, the family would come with me for about 12 weeks. You know, it depends. But I was, it was back and forth. And so it's like, no. And then as I started thinking about it, I called out my director and my, um, my DOP, and we, we did a little pilot. My kids were very active in it. My daughter's like, you know how you travel and you have like you speak to people. She was like, why don't you just have people from all different parts of the world, different walks of life come into the home and you have a little chat with them and you, you know, you talk all things food and life and purpose and, you know, what makes people get up in the morning. And, you know, so it's a bit of a podcast meets cooking show. These are my 13 year old kids, 12 year old <laughs> at the time. So we Brilliant. shot, yeah, no, we, we shot a pilot and, um, 
And I remember my daughter looking at it and say, Dad, no, it's too, it's too Food Network. We, we need to like, see shadows. We need to see kind of, you know, we need to have it more moodier. We, we need it to be like a little more yeah. Caravaggio. Like, she, like she's, she's describing certain things. And like my director and I, we look at each other, oh, yeah, it has to be more, more European. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, you know, three months later, we shot 26 episodes. Wow. Nice. How was that process? That, that, at that, home like to go from nothing to 26 episodes in three months um it was three months later it took us uh more than three months to shoot uh it was it was tough production's always tough and i think uh this was more amplified because i had three people living in my home mm. you know our director and our um uh, sound guy and uh our production person because we it was a limited crew and so we had to work with a, a limited, um, you know, we couldn't have people coming out of the house. We were still on, you know, lockdown and yeah. guests would come with like, what do you mean you're having me come? And you know, what's the COVID protocol? I'm like, well, are you coughing? Do you have a fever? No. Okay. So go, just <laughs> yeah. come. Like, like, let's not overthink this. Right. right. Like, yeah. you know, what's your bubble, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you know, well, All you, listen, questions, yeah. Yeah. we're, just, we're just here. Like, just come over. Don't take public transit. You know, we'll, we'll give you <laughs> yeah. 10 bucks, take the Uber and uh, please. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, if, you, if you're not feeling well, you know, come the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been a bit, you know, I've always worked kind of like, um, I mean, we joke, my wife and I, we say we're a bunch of cowboys, you know, we, mm -hmm. we just get shit done. We just do it. You know, we start overthinking. And I actually did the show without a broadcaster. I, I kind of self-financed it because it was too complicated because as soon as I brought in a broadcaster, they were like, well, what are your COVID policies, Mr. Rocco? And, you know, <laughs> what, what, you know, how, what insurance do you have for it? And I'm like, oh, fuck that. You know, we're going <laughs> yeah, to yeah. get this shit done because we need to get yeah. this done. And we, we, we just got it done. I mean, we were obviously very careful. My wife didn't want COVID coming into the house either. Sure, we, yeah. we obviously didn't want to get anyone sick. And, you know, that was um, obviously a priority, but, you know, the 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 big thing was getting a show done and 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 doing it during really tough times like it was you know a crazy period yeah was there ever a point where you thought this is not going to work oh every day of my life <laughs> like <laughs> how, how'd you how'd you deal with that though you know it's i learned after season 1 you know back in 2003 i've done 195 episodes that have aired globally and um congratulations thank That's you huge. and it's always the same insecurity the same feeling you know after the first show it's like riding a bike yeah yeah i know how to ride it now uh but you're always after season one is like what do i do it's like sleepless nights so uh, you know uh, you know can i do this and you know a mentor kind of uh, dear friend who works on our, our show as a consultant she said you know feel the fear embrace it understand that it's there and just just do it and you know and then next day it gets easier and just a lot easier so in this case we you know you, you kind of you're saying oh my god i'm shooting at my home the, you know is it going to be interesting is it going to be what my broadcasters expect or is it just going to be a stand and stir like how do i like how do we keep the level and there's always that playing and and it was like 
well, we're in it now. Let's just do it and we'll fix it in post. <laughs> no, you know, yeah. you know, uh, no, but it was just... That's why you asked at the beginning if we can edit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why you got to do a lot of editing with me. I, uh, you know, but during season one, I was known as uh, two take uh, or 20 take Tony. You know? <laughs> take it's like, <laughs> you know, we'll fix it in post, folks. Yeah. But so, okay, so you you're going through this you're fighting through that fear and that insecurity of, you know, like, how do I continue to build on this? Is there something that you know now that when you look back on, you know, you, if there was, if younger you was standing in front of you, you could share some insight with them? Well, it, it's, it's almost the same feeling I had with the bar. You know, you, you, you do something and the older I get, the, I realize, you know, him or her or, those guys are not better than me. I, you know, you, you put in the work ethic, you have kind of an idea and, and just inch closer, you know, how do you, how do you have to get there? And so, you know, I'll take the bar because that was maybe a bigger, there was more, um, I don't want to say anxiety, but it was a little like TV production is like riding a bike. I mean, it's, I can do it closing my eyes. It's, you know, we do it. We have our stories, we have our concept and we'll figure it out. Mm. But opening up a bar where I knew that, so my wife, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to put my name on the bar. Okay. Uh, just, you know, uh, I don't know. There's, there's moments where I get a little shy about that. I'm like, mm, do we? So I remember talking mm. to some friends in uh, Singapore who have an ad agency and my wife's like, you're an idiot. You have to have your name on the bar. She was, that's you, it's the brand, and it's really, people will come for you. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't sure. It was like, oh, it was bit, I was being a bit gun shy. Also, the insecurity, what if it does? it's not successful? So I spoke to some friends uh, in Singapore who I'd worked with uh, in the past, have a big ad agency, and I said, I'm opening up a little, little cocktail bar, you know, kind of, it's going to be a, a little kind of beta test, a little pop-up, because we only have a, the building for three years. So it's just like a, literally just a pop-up. <clears throat> and um, I go, well, I'm thinking of this name. And they go, no, no, it has to be, it has to be David Rocco in there. And I'm like, really? And they go, yeah. Like, they go, dude, you, like, we've paid you to come from <laughs> Toronto to Singapore. <laughs> we've paid you to go to Bombay because it's your name, not because it's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. show down the street. Like, are you an idiot? <laughs> and, <laughs> And when he said that, I'm like, well, yeah, it's true. I do get paid for because of my name. So it, it just, yeah. But I think when I look back, it was because of what if I fail? Yeah. Like, what if it's not successful? What if, you know, and there will be people that will come up with daggers, right? They'll, and it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm doing this more for myself than for anyone else. I've always wanted to have a little a little cocktail bar, a little aperitivo bar. I wanted to introduce an aperitivo kind of culture to Toronto, which really we, we don't really have. Mm. And, um, you know, as I look back, that was just fear speaking. That was just insecurity and, and all the rest of it. So, you know, here it is now, David Rocco bar aperitivo. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I like it or not, it, it's, uh, it's... Well, do you feel any different now? 
Well, yeah, because now I look at it and understand that's fear. And, and really, it's about the journey. I don't want to sound like this kind of guy, you know, you know, that's so cute, the journey. And let's all, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And no, but it really is about the it journey. Really is, yeah. it, it's so about the journey because I didn't open it as my main source of income or business. I owned, I opened it because it was something I always wanted to do. It was a pet project. And, you know, my wife said to me, you want to do this. And so do it like, you know, make no excuses and don't be apologetic. This is your vision and this is, and just own it and just do it and embrace it. So now I look at it and I get immense joy from it. A lot of friggin' headaches from it <laughs> because, you know, I'm still kind of, you know, but I, I love it. Like I love people. I love food. And I love kind of hosting and I just love, you know, being in an environment where it's an extension of my home, myself, my values, uh, my, my kind of food style. And um, so it's been it's been good. But I, I have recognized over the last six months, this is for me just a journey. And it's just it's part of, you know, my my experience and, and something I've always wanted to do. So I, I have to enjoy it because of that. And every, every time shit hits the fan or, you know, you got problems here or there, you know, because running a business, if it was easy, everyone would do it. I always say to myself, no, no, this is okay. This is, this is what you signed up for. And it's totally cool. Just, just run with it and, and enjoy it. Embrace it. Okay. Hey, when you first got it after like the quick turnaround, how did that like feel when it's like, okay, like this is, this is the dream. Uh, of the bar? Yeah. Or of the TV show? The bar. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, we opened August 3rd, 2001. Mm. We had just come off, I think we got reopened, i.e. the city. Um, Sorry, you meant 2021. 2021. Yeah, you said yeah. 2001. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long has COVID been happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, 2021, like, August feels 3rd. Like it's been feels like, like it's been Right, long, yeah. exactly. And I, um, and we had just reopened, I think it was like four weeks. Um, it was so crazy when you think back. And, and I remember having, we have a, a great outdoor um, uh, patio. And inside what do we do we do communal seating what do we do in our patio communal seating what does that mean we have these benches and uh, places uh, to sit and so I remember you know my staff and it was also hard to get staff I mean it was crazy yeah. I heard it's even now it's still yeah difficult. we've been lucky um, you know staff that's come stayed we, we have a, a great kind of energy and kind of work kind of policy and style and a lot of freedom i i always say guys people will come the first time for me but then they'll come for you i'm not always there in fact i'm seldom there i, I like to pop in a lot because it's on my way to work and there's nothing like a, a good negroni before heading home <laughs> but um so when we opened up this patio i remember um you know part of the experience was about you know, giving people a joyous kind of feeling and, and having people not feel that they're alone. I mean, you can go to a patio with a, a friend and you're sitting at a table and there's, you know, someone else at another table and you're only having interaction with your friend, which is fine, right? Or, mm -hmm. or But people were coming by themselves and they would sit 
and there would be a person right next to you. And like, mm -hmm. I remember people are like, Rocco, this is crazy. Like, I mean, we're just coming out of a pandemic. And I'm, so I, I remember having a meeting the day after we opened and I spoke to all the hostesses. I said, ladies, I said, here's what we have to say. We have to say, have you been here before? Which clearly they hadn't, but you know, you'd ask the question. It was like a couple of days. I said, okay, well, this is a kind of a, an alternative way of kind of enjoying a cocktail. It's, um, um, we, we understand it might not be comfortable for you, but it's communal seating. Um, you know, you'll be sitting with people uh, that you, you don't know. You might be uncomfortable because you're a little close, but if you don't feel comfortable, we totally understand and we invite you to come back when we're not busy. People would come, they would sit down, people want to get out. You know, they, mm -hmm. they wanted. They were done. They were done. And, um, and I remember people would come to me and go, I feel so happy. I feel, I don't feel alone. People would come by themselves in the neighborhood and I would see people buying drinks for each other. Mm -hmm. And it was kind <laughs> of like being in Florence when, when, you know, my first experience with the aperitivo, which was, you know, you go after work or you go and, you know, you have this cocktail and you'd meet people and be one big party. And so it was really interesting, you know, and it was that leap of faith. Uh, you know, I knew it wasn't, you know, going to be widely accepted, but it was, we didn't need it to be, something for everyone because we only have 25 seats inside and on our patio we have 60 but so we can't be all things to all people we we just wanted to find our niche our, our kind of audience and and just be something different and you're finding even now today it, it still works the concept still works absolutely i feel this is um this is going to be the new trend not because of what i'm doing it's what what it's your tapas bar in Barcelona, it's your Chiquetti bar in Venice, it's your Aperitivo bar in Milan or Florence. People don't want to, I think, sit down and have a long meal or, you know, they want to have small bites, they want to have cocktails, they want to be able to um, have the flexibility of spending, you know, as much or as little as they want. And, and I think they want to be with each other. You were in there. That communal style. Yeah. Communal style, sharing, easy sharing, sharing, but also just where there's, um, it's, it's fast food, i.e. cause it's, you know, we serve it quickly mm -hmm. quality. And it's also, um, this feeling of your, especially if you've been there a few times, you really feel you're at home. Mm. So, I can definitely vouch for the quality. Quality yeah. is good. Yeah. <laughs> but the, that concept of sitting communal style, was was uh, at first when I walked in I was like okay this is this is different yeah but then it just it doesn't feel you think it's going to be weird but then the minute you sit down and then somebody sits down immediately next to you it doesn't doesn't change anything it's interesting because I think uh, have you been to Europe yes you've been to Barcelona or you've been, been to Barcelona okay, Venice Florence so you know what I'm talking yeah. about yeah. and now I'm but here you, it's weird oh, that's what I'm saying now I'm going to ask you the question uh you wouldn't think twice if you were there. No, not at all. Here, though, it's like, what do you mean? I got to sit next to a stranger. Yeah. So when we open, and to this day, we don't take reservations. We don't have a phone. We have no phone. <laughs> like, people are like, you can't open up. No, I'm like, okay, guys, there's 25 seats. If we can't fill this place, like, I mean, there's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and we don't take reservations. I mean, we do if it's for a big party, but you have to email us. It's And it's... Um, and if we're busy, I always tell people, if we're busy, you know what? We'll give you a, you know, a, 
glass of bubbly. We'll give you some Chianti. We have, you know, stand up on the sidewalk or, or inside and <laughs> just like you would do in yeah, Italy. And you yeah. know what? It, it's really interesting because now the rules of alcohol have kind of it's chilled loosened. a bit. Yeah. Have loosened a bit. Yeah, so yeah. in the summertime, we would have people in line with uh, an Aperol spritz and we would walk by and give them little nibbles and they would wait for something to come up. Yeah. And then sometimes they say, you know what, we're good just standing up on the sidewalk. And they would <laughs> spill. And we had this real, I mean, it was great because people would often say, um, I feel like I've seen this scene in Venice or in Florence. And we have wine barrels and our, our patio is really cool. And it was, it was deliberate. And it's not easy to kind of copy you know, because we're in a different mind here, a mindset where people are, well, what do you mean I can't reserve a table for two? Like, hey, honey, we don't have a table for two. <laughs> we have a table for 14, yeah. another table for six, another table for eight. So, um, but I think people are getting it, actually, absolutely. Um, but it, it it's, like you said, in Europe, you buy it here, you're kind of, hmm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you see yourself opening up another location? Uh, yeah, well, like, do you see yourself franchising this? So we did a pop-up, uh, for TIFF. We did, um, House of Peroni, uh, for David Rocco Bar Aperitivo. We did 7,500 covers. It was an Aperitivo Bar at TIFF. We were right by the red carpet nice. and, wow. uh, it was exactly my vision. It was just, okay, this is it. Um, I've done, um, something in Malaysia. Uh, so we are looking at kind of expanding it, making it into kind of um, a pop-up style. Uh, in Toronto, would I open up another one? Absolutely. It has to be the right fit. It has to be the right environment, space, et cetera. Would you make it more people, less people? Uh, I think there's there's a sweet spot. I think yeah. I wouldn't make it. Right now, it we're, we're like 560 square feet. Yeah. I wouldn't make it more than 1,000. Like it has to have a certain kind of feel. It has to be that hole in the wall yeah. where it is different. And you have to pick your poison. Like what are you? Yeah, and just stick with it. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we understand, you know, I understand what the purpose was. I, I wasn't because I want to showcase, hey, I'm a chef and these are my recipes. Although I did have an idea of my meatballs had to be a certain way. <laughs> my eggplant parm had to be a certain way. There was no way I was going to veer off certain things. And I had to have those two dishes where people come in just for those. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And, okay, you do a lot of traveling, obviously. Yeah. And you look at a place like Toronto, you open up your store here. And then do you see the culinary space in Toronto and in Canada as a whole competing on an international level? Like if you had a blank slate, would you start here? And if not, why? I think Toronto is a great city. I think um, the problem are the Torontonians. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do no, <laughs> because we always look at everywhere else being better, everywhere else being, oh, you know, and, and we, we, we struggle with just embracing our own concepts, our own thing. Mm -hmm. And I think case in point, it's like people will come in. It's like, oh, what do you mean? I got a, you know, I can't reserve. What do you mean? You got no phone. And I'm like, would you make a reservation at a tapas bar in Barcelona? And they're looking at me. No, but, but we're in Toronto. I'm like, well, what's the difference? And so we're <laughs> always struggling with, you know, conventional kind of, you know, food and beverage kind of hospitality, how Toronto is 
versus when we're away, we kind of embrace all those cool things that we think are cool, but yeah. never work here. So, <clears throat> so would I say I'd open Toronto would be my first place to open? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I love Toronto. I'm a proud Canadian, proud Torontonian, but you know what? It's a fickle fucking market <laughs> am i allowed to swear yeah you are okay I'm surprised it it's is. taking you this long no i got trapped uh, you know it's a shit for shit for brains but uh, <laughs> but it is a real fickle market yeah. where um and it's everyone can always you know do it better somewhere else uh, but toronto it's a great scene i think there's great chefs great restaurants and um yeah do you think being an entrepreneur specifically in the in the, in the hospitality industry has gotten easier it's the same it's oh, harder and it's hard yeah. it is really what really makes hard. it so difficult we hear what? it a lot we've talked to a few chefs here on the on the podcast we've had chef devin we've had uh chef wallace wong and they've talked about sort of running kitchens is extremely difficult well, I mean, the labor market is difficult right now. I mean, almost in every single sector, you know, people are struggling to find staff. They're struggling to keep it together. Restaurants are challenging. The um, the profit is, you know, profit margins are razor thin. You have a lot of transient mindset. You all work here for a bit and then I'll work here. So there's... I mean, it, it's become far more difficult than it was pre-COVID. Um, I think you have to love it. I think you have to love food. You have to love people. And you have to love hosting. Hosting is an interesting one. I've never heard of it that yeah. way. Well, I, I look at it. I mean, you you kind of, when you came, you caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you were doing your thing. You were talking I, to everybody. Well, I was like, like my wife, my wife calls me the princess of the people. Like she's <laughs> like a oh, little princess. Right. And she's kind of, she likes to poke fun because we cannot go there if we want like quiet time. There's impossible, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but I love going to talk to people and just making them feel special. It's their place. It's, you know, they, first of all, they're, they're shocked sometimes that they go, Oh my God, you like, and I'll walk, and if there's like menus on it, I'll pick it up, and and they'll look at me. Oh my god! And you're, you're even like clearing the menus. And I said, well, listen, give me your jacket. I'll be the coat check boy. And it's like, and you know, everyone laughs. And it, it's, I love just, it's, I love being there, and I love making f people feel good and offering suggestions, and you know, just almost, it's an extension of my home, and you know, it's fun because i love what we serve i love what we do and i i know that being there sometimes you know i think i can read an audience if there's a you know a date and you don't want to interrupt them but our place may not be the place if you want quite intimate kind of you know then don't don't come to our place but for the most part it, it's just i love you know walking the room and, and just you know having a drink i i usually have a glass of wine in my hand it's it's really fun and you know the other thing is i i like to offer a lot of things i, I you know i let people try some wine and, and they'll look at me like do I owe it? No, I go, no, no, it's just on me. And they're, they're shocked. And it's like, well, not just, it's what? It's very inviting. It's, it's like also very Italian. Them. You know, I was going to say, it's like you're inviting uh, them to your house. And, and it's just like, sometimes I'll just grab a bottle and, and I'll just kind of top up their yeah. glass and, and they'll look at me like, oh, that's, that was totally unexpected. We, we don't get that anywhere in Toronto. <laughs> 
I'm like, well, this is. <laughs> well, they used to do that in a lot of places. Yeah. I think a lot of restaurants have changed the way they treat guests yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. So we, we, we try and have a more relaxed environment. Yeah. And so the show itself, how do you manage? It's one thing to manage a show that's local. It's another to manage a show that's now international. How do you keep on top of all of that? The different time zones, the different productions, the different yeah. everything. Yeah, we have um, we have a small office in Rome where we have um, one of our producers that that kind of work um, does research for us, and we seek out cities and countries that there's a connection to. Um, and then everything is the same. It's uh, you know, it's you go out and you try and make the best television to, you know, be real, make connections with the locals. And, um, we've been, we've been blessed because it seems like we we're there at the right time and, and we meet the right person. And just the show has a loose format that allows us for wonderful opportunities that come up. We were in, um, Soweto and we were in South Africa, Johannesburg, it was our last show. And then we have a flight back. Everything's paid for. Everything's there. So, you know, time is money. Um, and the person that we were supposed to have on the show just basically doesn't show up, decides to go to Cape Town. I don't know why, but we're like, shit out of luck. We're, we're fucked. So we spend a day and my producer and I were like, okay, do we go into panic? And they go, no, like, you know, we got a Neapolitan background, Italian background. We're going to go to the market and we're going to go and just kind of see what, what happens. We're going to film it and we're going to, and one thing led to another, to another. And we're invited to someone's house for a braai, a barbecue. We end up meeting someone who was <clears throat> involved with the Soweto gospel choir. We're invited to their rehearsal we go there, and they, little did we know, they have seven um, Grammys. Uh, they're unbelievable, and they now, we we're now do a show on them. Wow. And so you kind of almost be open to kind of um, those opportunities and, and the craziness. So one, one thing that's really great, we, uh, our show airs on National Geographic, and they're hugely supportive of what, what we do. They allow us to be filmmakers, um, guys that do documentary, and unlike other broadcasters that sometimes want to see scripts, and I'm like, scripts? I don't know what the hell's going to happen when I go to Bombay, and yeah, like, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen when I'm in, you know, uh, Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. Like, it's like, and if you think you know what's going to happen, you're like smoking yeah. like major you know, <laughs> crack. And so our broadcaster allows that kind of organic filmmaking, and so it's it's been wonderful for us because we really embrace those opportunities that come up and and sometimes they come up in, in such unexpected ways and how do you come up with the new concepts like is it just it comes to you and you're like you know what i'm gonna do this or do you actually allocate time to say okay today is my creative time i'm gonna start thinking about the next thing uh, shows or in terms of business I'm opportunities say everything, business opportunities because you also now i was going to get to it a little later but you have your your new lineup of sauces yeah and so that's another element to the, the david rocco empire we'll call it yeah um well i think when it comes to shows we you know we do research we allow you know um 
parameters to happen because you know creativity happens when you have parameters if you're all over the map it's you're you know but you 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 go and and you we always like to showcase um the arts music um some great graffiti artists that we 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 highlighted in uh, johannesburg and they always have a pulse on the city um and we're also very creative as a team and, and we work really well as a team when it comes to myself as you know a, a business guy and i say no more than i say yes to opportunities if i don't love it if i don't feel that there is a win-win and i mean that because you know if it's only good for me then it's never gonna last it has to be a win-win and so with the sauces it, that was again that was totally out of COVID. right now when you when you think of how you know where your life is it's well what what did you plant two years ago i think we can all ask ourselves even you guys you know podcast what did you do to make it happen? And if you look back, you can connect the dots very easily. So COVID, at home, filming, my daughter's, hey, dad, why don't you do this? Okay, and we, and we do a television series. COVID, filming, cooking. My God, dad, your sauces are so good. Why don't you do pasta and sauces? Oh, forget it. It's never going to happen. Kids say it enough. And then he starts saying, well, why, why not? And so that kind of got me thinking. COVID, walked by my new bar location. The hell, why not? <laughs> I mean, got a, a great lease. Yeah. Why so I look back and it was during these, these moments. Um, I think I'm open. I, as a company, we're, we're very nimble. We're, we're very uh, entrepreneurial. I'm, my wife and I are both entrepreneurs. Uh, we're, we're the son of immigrants. We don't take no as as you know an option also um, mentality it's the immigrant mentality right yeah. my, my her father my father my grandfather came with nothing like literally nothing and they they built decent businesses and you know they more than provided and i think they gave us um an example of work ethic that anything is possible um you know like like even doing tv I remember my lawyer, I mean, we're talking 2001. You know, it's not like Instagram now. Everyone has a camera. Everyone's a filmmaker. You know, <laughs> we're talking about like budgets, line items, and this and that. And I remember my lawyer, who's no longer my lawyer now, uh, in, in those early days, like, oh, <laughs> you know, you guys can't. We're in his office. He goes, you guys can't be producers. And my wife said, well, why not? And he goes, well, cause you guys don't know what you're doing. My wife said, well, I've seen some of this shit on TV and I, I can tell you we can do it better. <laughs> so he basically said, you're fucked. Like, you guys are nuts. You guys, you know, got, you guys, you know, like, you, it, that's not how the wind, yeah. you guys, that's not how the industry happens. And um, so I remember we walked out of her, his office. My wife turns around and says, she goes, you know what, fuck that. He goes, she goes, let's go shoot a pilot. We took our house money deposit. Okay. And we went to Italy and we shot a pilot, but not like a five minute little demo. We shot a pilot full on 22 minutes, 30 seconds, commercial blacks, commercial throws, the opener of the show, everything. Cause we knew when we came back and we showed this lawyer and the food network 
if it wasn't anything but a full-on episode, they were like, okay, so you got lucky for five minutes. Yeah, but mm -hmm. can you do an episode? We don't mm -hmm. think so. So we went, we filmed, we came back, we used our wedding videographer to do kind of a little sample. Then we hired like an edit suite, uh, an editor, and we created our first pilot, which was eventually part of 13 episodes. Nice. Went into Food Network, and I remember a wonderful executive there who was a real cheerleader. She wanted us to do well. She looked at it, and she goes, it's remarkable. She called her, her other executives, and they watched the entire show. She goes, this is like beyond crazy because you guys took a huge leap. And she, she I remember she said, now we have to take a leap and work with you guys. Hmm. And we were never asked again about working with an experienced producer. Wow. That leap of faith must have been <laughs> yeah. like the fear that must have been there. But it's like any entrepreneur, anyone that opens up their own place, the immigrant that opens the shawarma place, the Ethiopian that opens up the little, you know, little hole in the wall restaurant, the, the Italian, like whoever, it's scary. It's scary, mm. but you have to have the faith. You have to have the vision. You have to know where it's like riding a bike or, or driving a car. You don't have to look at, you know, every five feet. You have to look, where do I want to go? And just, you know, every day I'll get there. And so, you know, that was basically a huge learning, a learning you know, uh, experience because I've used that almost in every single thing I've done where I can do it. Mm. And, you know, and, and, and I'm a bit of a, a lone wolf in that, in that sense. Is there like a mantra you say to yourself all the time? Like anything that you just like, for me, it's like feeling bad. It's like, oh, like, you got this. Like, you know, every time you said there's always something going on. So it's like anything when you're feeling bad, just like you tell yourself over and over again. Well, my wife says this all the time, and, and I say it now. Nothing's at the end of the world, except the end of the world. So, like, nothing's as, nothing's as bad as you think. Like, nothing, it's, and, you know, oh, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's... Well, isn't luck really just putting yourself in a position to do something when the opportunity presents itself? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it's the residue of hard work. It's yeah. it's just you know. But can we talk about the sauces? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the sauces was an interesting kind of venture because for about fifteen years I kept on fighting it. I, I shouldn't say. Why fight. were you so resistant? It, well, yeah, because I I I do very well with endorsements. So you know, eight years ago I worked with one one of the largest pasta companies in the world. It was a four-year deal, help pay, pay for my house. I mean, it was a you know a big opportunity, and I was always worried about once I start going up against the big boys, then that's it. They'll never hire me again. Obviously, now I'm a competition with them. And in 2016, I had my own wine. I had a, a Chianti, a Pinot Grigio, and a Prosecco. Had that at the LCBO. Had that at the SAQ. And I realized, or I saw some of my alcohol endorsements kind of shrink up because even if um, my wine wasn't in direct conflict with, you know, a beer company, in their yeah. eyes, you're a competition. Yeah, you're 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 now in our barn house, you know. Yeah. So I always felt, hmm, 
do I really want to do a food line? And I always think about this. Or I always ask myself this. Are you doing something for ego? Which is okay. Or are you doing it because it expands the business? And you have to really be honest with yourself. Because if you're doing it for ego, that's totally cool. And um, it is what it is. Uh, Embrace it. I want to have my name on a wine. And great. If you're doing it because it expands the business, then you have better focus of why you're doing it. So with the pasta and sauces, um, for the longest time I was saying no because I didn't feel that the brand was mature enough. And I always recognized that if I did it, it was only for ego. Oh, cool. Everyone, not everyone, but you're a chef. You want, you want your fucking name on a yeah, sauce yeah, and pasta, sauce. right? But, and then what? And, uh, you know, because I had a lot of guys contact me saying, hey, can we license your name? Hey, can we do this? Hey, can you do that? And I always felt, and then what? I mean, I, I, and, and I didn't feel that the, the brand was mature enough. Can you explain that concept of brand maturity? Well, I mean, you know, my, my kids, my kids laugh at me because it's like, dad, you've been doing this like forever. Like your old shows, you got hair and this and that. <laughs> I've been doing this forever right. and longevity and being relevant in your space and having broadcasters around the world. Anyone can get on Instagram. Now, I'm not bashing the Instagrammers or social media. That's wonderful. Yay. You know, I'm not saying that. But it's free. Mm-hmm. Easy access. Television still is the holy grail. You still want, you know, you, because there's limited days, there's limited hours, and there's, there's budgets. So we've been able to continue in television and have broadcasters around the world like we're on National Geographic or we're on uh, Ola TV in Spain and it allows us to continue and have a relevancy and for the brand I think you know you can leverage that because you have the foundation you're not you just didn't come a couple years ago you you have a body of work that demonstrates execution you can do it and for the most part there's an audience that appreciates your work and i think that when i look at endorsements or or rather products and projects i always say you know are we ready for this is the brand mature is and so the name you know to put on a pasta is pretty you know was pretty daunting um maybe five years ago and yet now it just felt right because I, I felt I earned it. It's, mm. you know, we've done over 190 episodes. Our, our shows air in Italy and the Italians will say, hey, okay. <laughs> you know, the Italian Canadian, okay. You know, he's not full of shit. Like the Instagram <laughs> haters will say, you know, <laughs> you know, but, and so you, you feel you're at a place where you say, you know, I deserve it. I, this is, this is a worthy project. This is something that I can put my, 20 years behind me and I can leverage all my sweat equity into this. And again, it takes me back to adding David Rocco to Bar Aperitivo. I mean, looking back, it was no brainer. Like I'd be crazy not to companies pay to use my name or to have me at an event. Why when I have it for my own, again, it was also insecurity. Oh my God. Now, now I better perform now. It better be successful. So I think with the pasta, it was the same thing. It's like, no, we can actually, do something and so I worked 
with the sauces, we have uh, we have a, the classic pomodoro and basilico, tomato and basil. We have the um, um, uh, pecorino and ricotta, a uh, puttanesca. We have all different flavors, really unique, because of course. I said, okay, no, first thing that I'm going to get is all my cousins saying, hey, Rocco, we, we do our fucking sauce. Like, you know, are you kidding me? Like, are you a moron, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, try this because this will blow you away. And, you know, because I know the, the Italian audience is saying, we can do it and we can do it better. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, bullshit. Try this shit. This is really <laughs> good. And so I worked with um, a company in Italy and we just, you know, during the pandemic, we were shipping things back and forth and I really put my stamp on it. Even when it comes to the pasta, I didn't want to have just a regular dried pasta. I wanted to have something that was unique, a unique kind of, uh, that felt homemade. And so our pasta is from the Puglia region and it's dried for 18 hours. So it's nothing like the commercial brand, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, what's my differentiator? What's my uh, value proposition? Why is someone going to give me their money and their attention? Yeah, they'll give it to me once. You'll come into my bar once, but then if the staff, if the environment doesn't make you want to come again, then, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of failed. I'll get you once. But if that sauce is not amazing, if that pasta is not amazing, I'll get you once. Okay. And, and by the way, it's amazing, guys. Like, it's from Italy. No, you've been to Italy. Is it the, you've been to Italy. I've not been in Italy. Oh, okay, man, we got to send you to Italy. Right? <laughs> you've been to Italy? I have, but I'll go again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you step off that plane and you're at the auto grill, you know, the gas station, and you're eating something, you say, oh, shit, Ooh, like, this is, like, unbelievable, right? Because it has that Italian, like, the tomatoes yeah. taste like tomatoes. Everything just was so, yeah. Right? Flavorful and rich and... And so different. Yeah. And that's how our sauce is. Like, yeah. I'm super proud I of it. I found when I was in Florence, it was the the food in Florence in particular. I was just... I could go back and live in yeah. Florence because of that. The yeah. architecture. The olive art, oil. The olive right? oil. <laughs> right? The wine. Everything. Florence for me was, was number one. Yeah. I gave you some olive oil, right? Uh, no, 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 not as a oh, gift. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're at the play, at the restaurant, I yeah, drizzle yeah. some olive oil. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so it's like my private <laughs> stash. So, so part of my shtick because it's like really good olive oil, is really expensive, right? <laughs> so I always have a couple of bottles that were just flowing in for me. And when 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 there's guests and they're having their meatballs, I'll say, hey, listen, try some olive oil, and I'll just drizzle. So it's just that little touch, and it's also some storytelling and yeah. things that I absolutely love is olive oil and so yeah well it adds that personal touch too right right and And, and that's what you're doing is you're hosting yeah i always call it the italian msg (laughs) (laughs) yeah that shit's good (laughs) and healthy it's addictive too yeah absolutely (laughs) so from an entrepreneur's perspective you know you've got these different lineups of sauces you've got the the bar you've got the show is there anything else on the horizon anything else that david looks at and goes this is an area I might want to venture into. You said you did wine at one point. Do you yeah. still do wine? No, no. I got out of it. LCBO is like, it's a tough racket. Is it really? Yeah. They're, um, it's government, right? So right. There, there's a different mandate. There's a different, you know, that's a whole different, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't get into it. <laughs> um, well, we're going to expand the uh, product line. Um, I just want to, con- listen, I love what I do. I really get excited i love food i love people i feel like i'm in the perfect space for all that it's i i'm i'm really lucky 
yeah, so I'll just continue doing TV and uh, until, uh, you know. Until, that, done, until your yeah, kids come up with a new yeah, idea. <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I love it. And in terms of, you know, things kind of come up, you know, mm. I might leave here and say, oh my God, this is, I should get into podcast. <laughs> no, but you know, if you asked me in 2019 about a sauce line, you know, you almost sometimes have to be at the right place at the right time to even listen yeah. and to actually take it in. You know, that's the other thing. It's almost like when you're mature, when, you know, when you're ready to listen, you know, the master speaks when the student's ready, you know, so yeah. to speak. So I, um, I'm not sure what the next project is, but in the meantime, I mean, there's enough here for me to continue and loving what I do and continuing what I do. It's kind of been, um, been pretty amazing. Nice. Awesome. David, thank you for coming. This has been really fun i told you it's yeah. pizza pie time flies it time fly. flies yeah, fly, yeah oh, this think, is incredible the, I, I think they shut the uh the mic off <laughs> like, i think uh poncho Pablo, uh, poncho. Poncho. <laughs> poncho's like fuck this i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> no but honestly this is this is incredible it's cool to see um the entrepreneurial spirit but also just really interesting to hear the whole you know, the insecurity component and overcoming that and still pushing through that and doing it. And even though there is evidence of success, there's still that hesitation that I think so many people deal with. And to hear you say, you know what, fuck it, I'm still going to do it anyway. Mm. And dealing, accepting that fear and going through with it, I think is a, a huge lesson for a lot of people. So thank yeah. you for sharing that story. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been fun. And uh, you, you actually guys have inspired me just kind of <laughs> being here and, uh, you know, kind of rehashing it because you kind of always have to understand where you came from and and look at the wins and and it motivates you to continue yeah it's just so interesting that even you're saying they know kumbaya but like it's 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 what it is like people you don't want to hear that it's like the stuff you don't really want to hear because you hear it all the time but it's yeah. still true like it still holds true like cliches are cliche for yeah reason, no right? for sure and it's you hate saying them but it's it, it is what it is right yeah well, it's that journey which yeah. you have to really embrace and, and almost like even when shit hits the fan and, and, and you have your fails you, you almost have to embrace it yeah. especially if you can stand up after it yeah 100% yeah. and the last two and a half three years going on three years now um, shit hit the fan yeah. a lot of people had to, to figure things out and that's why it's always so interesting to me when someone comes in and tells us a story of yeah the world pretty much shut down but here's what I did, mm -hmm. right? I could have just taken the the loss and sat there, but instead you opened up a bar, right? Yeah. You kept growing. And uh, I think that's really exciting to see, but it's also inspirational for us to hear that because it's, you know, if you can do that and you can admit that you had fear and doubts and insecurities and uncertainties and every reason not to do it, but you still chose, you know what, I'm going to do it and here's how I'm going to do it and here's why I'm going to do it. I think there's a lot that can be learned from that 100%. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, sir. Appreciate you. Man. Thank you.